I'm the, uh, I'm the type of person that likes to keep people on their toes. So when I thought about preaching uh, a deacon ordination service, the absolute last place that I thought I would park would be 1 Timothy chapter 3, because this is what you would all expect me to do. This is where you would expect me to go. And we are going to read through this passage together, but I really want to focus on one verse. Okay, in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to be reading in 1 Timothy 3. Okay, we're going to be reading 8 through 13, but we're going to stop at 13 and I want to dwell there for a minute. And I want to talk about a deacon who serves well. And I'm just, uh, I want to say before we get started, I, I, I just want to say what an honor it is to be part of this church and a part of an amazing deacon body that after tonight's going to become just a little bit more amazing. And, uh, I, in, in, the, in the days that have passed, even recently, even in the last week of my life, uh, I've had discussions with certain people that have talked about the reason why this church is the way that it is, is there's a strength of leadership in this church that has been here for a very long time. In fact, uh, Brother Bubba had mentioned to me one of the things that made this church attractive to him when he and his wife and family were looking at churches is the, just the strong leadership that has been in place here for a for just a very long time. And so the deacons mean a lot to this church. They always have. And our deacon body, I think, is continuing to grow, and I'm excited for what God is doing here. Even today, our deacons met here after service and prayed together and went out to our shut-ins and our seniors and brought communion to them to let them know that they're a part of this church even when physically they can't be here. That's what it means to serve. And I'm so honored to be serving alongside our deacons and so honored to be welcoming into the fold here Brother Greg Tucker and Bubba Longreer. I want to acknowledge that this calling is not only on the men, the men that we're going to ordain here tonight, but it's on their families. And as we look here at the qualifications of a deacon, it very quickly makes a beeline to the wife of a deacon because the strength of a ministry will go only as far as the spouse that supports the deacon. And I want to affirm as I address Greg and I address Bubba that uh, our church is incredibly fond and so grateful for the service of Miss Diane Tucker and Lisa Longreer. You are phenomenal women of God. You know how to serve and you embody service in such an amazing way. I think even the last month of my life receiving phone calls from, from Miss Diane and, and Ashley uh, desperately needing Lisa's help on several things and without any hesitation, both of you jumping right in and serving, that's, that affirms even more that your family as well as your husband is being called to this ministry and he's going to need your support. And I thank you for being the women of God that you are and the families that you're raising. And I'm also grateful for your children. I am so grateful for Kyle an amazing man of God and a great brother in Christ. I've never caught him in a bad mood. Always got a smile on his face. I said that about Hunter Herndon. He's like a grown Hunter Herndon, always in a good mood. You're always blessed in his presence. And I'm so grateful for the Longrier children as well. Now, I'm looking forward to getting to know Brooks a little bit better in, uh, in flight this year. Of course, Jackson's moving up to, uh, to the youth, and, and Addison, of course, has uh, asked some really, really good questions when I had a chance to work with the TNT girls last year for a little while as well. Just a beautiful family, beautiful families, plural. This is a sweet time, and we affirm the family as much as we affirm the candidates. And uh, the last thing I want to say before uh, I talk specifically to uh, the candidates is that this affirmation is it's God's calling. It's God's gifting and God's calling. It all comes from God. But as I said in the opening, I think it's important and biblical that the church sees and affirms that calling. 
And I can testify in my own life, had it not been for the affirmation I received from this church, I would not be standing behind this pulpit right now. I rejected and ran away from pastoral ministry about as hard and as fast as I possibly could. And it wasn't until this church affirmed me as a minister of the gospel and then reaffirmed me late night one evening in a closed-door meeting with a search committee and told me, not only do we, you feel that you're called to ministry, we feel that you're called to ministry in this church. That meant everything to me. It changed the game. It changed my life forever. So that affirmation that we give tonight, it is a calling from God. It comes from Him. And it is a, it is a gifting that God gives. But the affirmation that we give to these candidates is biblical, and it is important, and we celebrate that here tonight. Now, to the candidates, uh, I typically do this with Ashley and with friends of mine from time to time. I love pulling out certain words or thoughts or ideas when I talk about certain people. So I have a certain word for each of you before I get into the, to the actual message itself. And Brother Bubba, I've gotten to know you a little bit in the past few years. I had a chance to serve as a, uh, as a writer for the Benner Advertiser when you were the assistant superintendent, and they were grooming you for the role that you now serve and serve well. And if there's one word I could use to describe Dr. Bubba Long-Greer, is the word I would use is intentional. I know of no other human being uh, that is intentional with everything, down to the words that you choose, the events that you attend, the events that you choose not to attend, the things that you do, the decisions that you make. I, I suppose that your job forces you to be intentional with your time. It forces you to be intentional with your family. It forces you to be intentional with this church. But I want to let you know that I've watched for quite a while of how intentional you are about how you live your life. And it's a gift. There are people roaming the face of this earth today, especially in our country in 2017, who don't give much thought to their lives. They're thrown back and forth by a tossing of the wind. And your intentionality about the way that you live your life and raise your children and the intentionality you give to your marriage and to your calling as our superintendent and now to this deacon at the body, it means the world to me. And I just want to thank you for your intentionality. Uh, you know, Bubba, you and I had a chance to speak last week, and what I gathered from our conversation is you want to be real in every aspect of your life. And the questions that you asked only affirm to me more that this is a calling that God has placed on your life. And I appreciate you, brother. Uh, brother Greg, uh, as I thought through many words that I could use to express my heart for you, the word that I would come up with is compassionate. Uh, there's just a, and maybe even another way to say it, because we talked about this word a few nights ago, or a few weeks ago in our, in our preaching, is the word meekness. Intentional humility in the presence of others. You make me feel more important than I actually am when I'm in your presence. And I know that I'm your pastor, but you do that for everybody. Uh, I remember uh, first visiting you when you were working at Metterford with Joel. And since you've already endured that trial... I certainly feel like you're ready for the, for the uh, deacon ministry, for sure. Uh, but I remember just, just thinking, this, this, this is a man who has a lot more pull in this community than I do, yet he acts as if I'm important when I'm in his presence. And I think that's a gift of God, that you're compassionate and selfless towards other people. You put people at ease the moment they're in your presence, and you make them feel like they're the most important person in your life at that very moment. If I, was, if I owned a business, first person I'd hire would be a Greg Tucker. Because you want your customers to think as they're standing in your presence that they're the most important person. And you've always, even when I wasn't your customer, and now I know I'm your pastor, but you've always made me feel that way. And I know you make other people in this church feel that way. And I want to affirm that tonight. 
It's a gift that God's given you, and it's a gift that He can use and wants to use mightily as a deacon. Because there will be times like today when God will call you to go and hold the hand of a woman who is in a long-term care facility or has not seen daylight in days or even weeks. And when you go and you bring communion to that woman and you hold up the bread and you say this is the body of Christ, that, that Christ on the day he was betrayed broke his bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. And that, that cup and take and drink. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. I believe that when you do that, not only will they hear and see the gospel, they'll feel it in your presence. And I affirm that. So here's what I want to do tonight. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand, and we're going to look through uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 at the qualifications of a deacon. But we're going to park at the end of that passage in verse 13. And I want to share two things with our candidates and with the church. These two things are two promises that God makes for those who take this calling of deacon seriously and who serve well in this role. So if you would stand at this time out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, and errant word, if you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It'll be on page 1178 in your pew Bible. And again, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13 to give context, but we are going to be looking specifically at verse 13 here tonight. Hear the word of the Lord, starting in verse 8. God's word says, Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things." Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, again, as we continue in this service, we acknowledge that through your Holy Spirit, you spoke directly through the Apostle Paul to Timothy as he was beginning to lead the church, that there were certain callings upon deacons in your local body. We acknowledge that this is biblical. We acknowledge this is straight from your mouth to our hearts. And Father, as we read these words, let us take them seriously. Let us be reverent, but let us also celebrate that we have candidates that meet these qualifications according to your word, Father. And we pray a blessing upon the reading of your word, the explanation of the, your word, and the application of your word to these candidates as they begin to serve in this ministry. It's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said... Amen. So we just read the qualifications for a deacon. And I would say that, and I said this in our ordination council this past week, that, our, that these men would never have come up for a vote. They would never have even made it to the ballot had our deacon body first not affirmed that these gifts were a part of their lives, that these, these qualifications are what these two men already meet. But not only did the deacon body confirm it, the church as a whole confirmed it as well. And now we celebrate that. We celebrate that Greg and Bubba are men who are 
dignified. They're not double-tongued. They're not addicted to much wine. They're not greedy for dishonest gain. They hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, and they've been tested, and now we want them to serve and prove themselves blameless. And they have amazing wives, and Miss Diane and Miss Lisa, who are dignified and not slanderous, but sober-minded and faithful in all things, and, and their husbands of one wife faithful to their wives, and they manage their children and their households well. And then you get to verse 13, and this is where I want to camp out for the next few minutes. Two sweet promises that God gives. He says, here's the qualifications. Here's, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm asking. If you're going to serve in this role, you must meet these requirements. But if you do, and if you take this role seriously, and if you serve in this role, here's what he says. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, as we begin to think about that here in 1 Timothy 3.13, I want to acknowledge something, and I think it's really important. When I say the two words together, Baptist deacon, there are all kinds of thoughts and pictures and even stereotypes that come with that label. Brother Bubba, you and I talked about that in our time together. And that's what I love so much about your genuineness is that you want to be what the Bible calls and not what the society wants that to be. There's a lot of different ideas of that so-called quote-unquote Baptist deacon. For some, it's an amazing calling. It's a reverent calling. It's a calling that they take so seriously. Before I got called to preach as, a, uh, as an ordained minister of the gospel, as your pastor here at Sear Street, I served two years as a deacon in the church I served at at seminary. And I remember the day I took vows to serve as a deacon and listening to everything the pastor said and feeling the weight and the reverence of that calling. But I've also seen churches and certain men who were called to certain roles, and they saw it not at the, in the reverence of the calling of God, but they saw it as a mark on the resume. They saw it as, well, now I get to say that I'm deacon of XYZ Church, and that should carry some weight as I continue to conduct myself in the community. But here's what I believe. Pe- people know the truth. The people in this church know the truth. When your heart is to serve And the only resume that you care about is a heavenly one. The only thing that you care about is pleasing the one who loves you, the one who's created you, the one who's equipped you, and the one who's called you. That's when this role becomes so special. And the people know it. They know when your heart is to serve the Lord Jesus by serving his church. If no one knows but the people between these walls that you're actually called to be a deacon. You know, even though people have a thousand different stereotypes, let me talk about the positive side of this, the quote-unquote Baptist deacon. I'll never forget this, and Jim O'Brien, I think about you because of your passion for meteorology, okay? A couple of years ago, I was watching the Weather Channel, Jim O'Brien's favorite channel, and uh, there had been a tornado, <laughs> there had been a tornado in Oklahoma, and it ravaged an entire community. And, and there were people on the scene moments after this tornado took place. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, the, the meteorologist said out loud, you know, the American Red Cross hasn't gotten there yet. But I bet you'll get you a couple Baptist deacons in there and make things right. They're going to get those people fed and they're going to get those people to shelter. And I thought, well, there's the other side of the coin. All right, so there may be a negative connotation, a negative stereotype of the so-called Baptist deacon who wants to have a check mark on the resume, but there's the other side that historically people know 
Okay, Oklahoma is known as the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And people know where people take this book seriously. There are men since the very beginning of this church, and I say capital C church, not just Cedar Street, but the church. There are men since the very beginning who took this book seriously and because of that took their role as deacon seriously. And the world still knows that. The meteorologist on the Weather Channel knew that. And she said point blank, the Red Cross may not be there yet, but you get you a couple Baptist deacons and they're going to get in there and take care of business. That's what it's all about. Capital S service. If the deacon could be defined in one word, it would be servant. It is the servant of the church. And so we've talked about the qualifications. We've talked about uh, the stereotypes. Well, let me offer now to you the challenge to serve well and two promises that come along with that challenge. Okay, in verse 13, the first of the two challenges, or the, the first of the two promises that uh, the Apostle Paul makes to Timothy as he is telling him to look out for qualified men for the deacon body. Number one, he says a deacon who serves well will gain good standing. Well, let's talk and think about that for a minute. Good standing. Good standing with who? Good standing for what? As I thought and prayed about this, I believe there's three things that we can look at in terms of good standing. Number one, I think as you serve well as a deacon, you continue to have good standing with your family, first and foremost. And you know why? Because your children and your wife are already looking to you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And when you serve in this role and you take it reverently, they're seeing that you are raising the bar on what it means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think, I think it is biblical for you to lead in such a way that you would want your family to follow your lead. So as you serve as a deacon and serve well, you'll have a good standing with your family. They will see that you're a man who takes your faith seriously. I also think you'll have a good standing in the community. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If, you're, if your aim in life, again, is to have that sparkling resume and your calling as a deacon is another check mark on the resume, then, then the motive that you have is incorrect. And the, the good standing that you have in your community is false. It's shallow. But if your goal is to please God, it is God's will for you to have a good testimony in this community. Don't throw that away. It's not unimportant. It is important. That what people think about you in this community. It is very important. Now, one of the great quotes that I often cling to is one of my favorite heroes is uh, John Wooden, the, the late basketball coach from UCLA. And I believe what he said is true. He said, do not care about your reputation, care about your character, because your reputation is what people think you are. Your character is actually who you are. I believe that with all my heart, but I'll say this at the same time. Don't throw away your testimony either because what people think of you in this community matters in that your example can change other people's lives. If, you're, if you are weak, the people who are weak will see that and it will lead them to weakness. If you are strong, the people have something to look up to and they too can live a life where they want to be strong in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you serve well as a deacon, you do receive a good standing in your community. But most importantly, above even your family and above the community, when you serve well, you have a good standing in the kingdom of God. When all is said and done, when you have served your last time, when you have taken your final breath, you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and your time of service will be over. 
And you will look at him and you will hear those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And how you served will be rewarded and rewarded greatly in the kingdom of heaven. So the first of the two promises that I would like to make according to verse 13 is a deacon who serves well will gain a good standing in your family, in your community, and most importantly, in the kingdom of God. There's a second aspect to this. Okay, the second part of verse 13 says a good standing for themselves, but also great confidence in, in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So the second promise that is made is that a deacon who serves well will gain great confidence in the faith. All right, I want to talk about three aspects of confidence. Why? Because I'm a Baptist preacher and we like to do things in threes. Okay? First of all, confidence in your calling. All right? I, I share with you, I had great doubt about being a pastor. There are still moments where that doubt creeps in. There are still moments where I lay in bed and I stare at the shadows on the wall and I say, Bo, do you really know what you got yourself into? And in those moments when I strive to serve God the very best I can, He affirms things and He will affirm it in your life as well. He will affirm your calling. He will affirm your calling as a deacon and you will gain confidence knowing that you have a role God's called you to and you're being equipped for that calling as well. Secondly, he gives you a confidence in his power. When you stand face to face with situations where God calls you to serve sacrificially and you see God provide or you see God move in a person's life or like today you visit men and women who've been serving and faithfully walking with God for 50, 60, and 70 years, you see that there is a God and he's still working in this world. And we need to be reminded of that, don't we? Every day. All right, we mentioned the, the horrifying things that we saw on the news this past weekend in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and just all the, the discord that we're experiencing as a country and as a world right now. We think sometimes, where's God in the midst of all this? Well, when you serve well as a deacon, you begin to see God behind the scenes working in ways that maybe you didn't notice before. When you begin to look for it, you begin to serve passionately, saying, God, where do you need me next? All of a sudden, you, you just become amazed at all the things that God's doing. I think about this all the time. How many times have you bought a new car and within one week you noticed that car was everywhere on the road? Happens all the time, right? You buy, you buy a white SUV, which is what I did uh, about six or seven months ago. I bought a, uh, a used GMC Acadia. Within 24 hours of pulling it off the lot, it seemed like everybody in Candler County was driving a white GMC Acadia. Now, now, did any more people have that than before? No, but what? My eyes were open to it. I noticed it. Same thing with God working. He is, I look around this room, and what well, was probably 60, 70 people in this room right now. Each one of you has a story. And in each one of your lives, behind closed doors, there are, are prayers that God is answering, and there are prayers that he's getting ready to answer in a big way. And when you serve passionately as a deacon, you get face-to-face -face with that. You begin to talk to these people behind closed doors. You begin to see their struggles and their pains. You begin to minister to them in their Sunday school classes. You begin to feed them physically and spiritually. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear these different prayer requests that have been answered by God. And you begin to hear these other ones that God hasn't answered yet. And you join them in prayer. And then God answers those prayers. And you say, man, he is still on his throne. He is still working. He is God. That's the calling, and that's the joy of being up close and personal when you serve as a deacon. And then finally, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what I just mentioned, 
A deacon who serves well will gain great confidence in God's plan. Day to day, life does not always make sense. In fact, most of the time, to me, it doesn't. I, can't, I don't know why things happen the way they do. I, I, I wish I could tell you that this doesn't happen, but often, even in the past six months of my life, my door has been open, and I've had people of different age groups come into my office for counseling and cry at my desk and say, why is this happening to me? The answer is, I don't know why God does or allows things to happen that He does. But when you serve as a deacon and you serve well, you get a chance to see the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, and you stick around for the end of the story. All right, there are some deacons in this church who have been a part of the body here for 40 and 50 years, and they've seen God do amazing things. I look around this room and I see Ronald Cardell, and I see Monty Tillman, and I see Ronnie Sykes, and I see Eddie Jones, and Kenny Davis, and Larry Sykes. I see all these men who could tell you story after story. Clint Woodard, David Herndon. I mean, I just keep naming names. Men who have seen God do amazing things in this church. You know, today we had a a fantastic finance meeting, and Larry hadn't looked at us, and he said, we are blessed. We, God has seen us through all of it. And you know how Larry can say that? He's been here. Year after year after year, he's seen spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet, and he knows that God has a plan and that God's hand is on this church. Amen? And if you're a deacon and you serve well, here's what this means. Your time of service does not end at the end of three years when you roll off the active deacon body. Your commitment to this church continues until maybe you roll on active again two years later, or even if you don't for quite a few years, you're still an ordained deacon in this body of Christ. And when you serve well and you serve faithfully, you get to hear the beginning of the story. You get to hear the middle of the story. And if you stick around long enough, the best is always saved for last. So when you serve well, it affirms that God has a plan and we're in the middle of his plan. As long as we stay faithful to him, we'll receive those blessings as part of his plan as well. It is two amazing promises to serve well. To serve well and receive a good standing with your family, your community, and your kingdom, the kingdom of God. And a deacon who serves well will gain great confidence in the faith and your calling in God's power and in God's plan. Two great promises from one great God in this great calling. And I just want to close before we enter into our ceremony portion of our ordination service. I want to encourage you that you have a good example. And if the example is not the men of this church, let your example be the primary example, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this for just one minute. Jesus, in his humanity, came to us as a suffering what? Servant. And the Jews missed it. They expected a mighty warrior to come in shining armor and by power to slay the Romans and establish the Jews as the kings of the land. And when Jesus was born in true humility, all right, he was born into humility in a stable in Bethlehem. He was raised in humility in a two-bit town called Nazareth. And then he goes into public ministry at age 30, and everybody just knows him as the carpenter's son. There's not, the book of Isaiah in all its prophecy says there's nothing about God or Jesus that would have drawn men to him. 
He wasn't incredibly beautiful. He wasn't incredibly strong. There was nothing about him that would make people stare at him or say anything's different about him except this. He was a suffering servant. And the men who followed him year after year in that three-year public ministry, they, they, even to the end, they weren't getting it. They kept saying, in your kingdom, who's going to sit to your right hand? Who's going to sit next to you? Who's going to be number two on the list in the kingdom? Jesus? And Jesus, how many times, gentlemen, how many times do I have to explain, whoever is great among you must be your servant? And if they still didn't get it, the very end, before the Last Supper, before he uses the bread and the, and the juice or the wine, we... <laughs> We have juice. He, did, he had wine. Uh, before the bread and the wine, when he was showing the body and blood that would be sacrificed for the sins, what did he do? He bound himself in a towel and he washed the dirty, calloused feet of his disciples who had walked with sandals all over Galilee for three years. And he did it to say this, I'm a servant. And if you follow me, you're going to serve with a capital S. And so my last admonition to you here this evening before we enter into our ceremony is this. The greatest example that you'll ever have on what you're called to do as a deacon is to follow Jesus Christ. He is the suffering servant. He died for us so that we could live for him and they will know that you know him and they will know that he lives inside of you when you serve as Jesus serves. That is a promise from God's word.